Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Harry Edward. And Anita Neal, just two Team GB stars you might not have heard of, but you should and you will during this podcast. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. I'm John. And I'm Michael. Now, Harry Edward was the first black athlete to compete for Great Britain and win a medal in the 1920 Antwerp Olympics. And Anita Neal, she was a sprinter. And 48 years later, in 1968, she became the first black female Olympian from Great Britain. And now, 53 years on, the Team GB story continues after Alice Deering was named to represent her nation in the marathon swimming. Coming up, we'll hear from her on the importance of creating history. And with the Olympics now this month, yay, we'll also round up the rest of the big team announcements. Who you should be looking out for in Tokyo Tennis, pentathlon, badminton, weightlifting, canoeing, paraswimming, rowing, fencing. And we're joined by another great British legend who's in charge of the athletics team this year. I am Christian Markham. I am an Olympic head coach of British athletics. More coming up from Christian Malcolm shortly. You can get in touch anytime at anything but F on Twitter. You can send us a message on Instagram or also on Facebook. You can find us online, our website, anythingbutfooty.com. You can send us a message through there or just drop us an email and we'll pick that up, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Now, history has been made already for Team GB as Alice Deering becomes our first ever black female swimmer. The student at Loughborough bagged her spot in the 10k marathon swim after qualifying in Portugal. She was then confirmed by Team GB in the team for Tokyo. And we caught up with her at the team announcement. It hasn't sunk in the past week at all, even the swim that I did. And then up till now, um, I think it's one of those things that probably just never hit me, even after I've raced at the Olympics and come home and do everything for for, for Team GB, I'll just be like, oh, I just can't really believe it's happening. And it will, it will race by. And then in like 20 years time, I'll look back on it and go, oh my God, that really happened. <laughs> you said they're race in the Olympics. Not many people get to do that. Team GB have been at every summer and winter games, 125 years of history. 
And you're one of only around about 6,000 people that have ever happened, ever had that opportunity. How much do you feel that privilege? That, um, when, you, when you put it into like a context like that, that is just, that is mad. Um, obviously it's incredible to make it, but when you, you break it down to the numbers of how many people actually get the opportunity to represent GB at an Olympic Games, it's so few, it's so few people. And um, to, be, to be one of those people is just, um, honestly, like I, I never really dreamt of it when I was younger. Do you know, people say, oh, I've always dreamed of being Olympian. I never really dreamt of it because I never thought it was possible. Um, I knew how much hard work went into being an Olympian and to get into this level. So to have got there, um, I'm just kind of proud to have like proved myself wrong in a sense. And um, I know my younger self would be like jumping up and down with pride. So yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's an incredible achievement. Alice, Mark England, the chef de mission for Team GB always comments on every team announcement. He's described this one as a significant moment in Olympic history for Great Britain. A significant moment. How, how does that make you feel when, you know, as Michael said, 6,000 athletes in the Olympics, but you become the first black female swimmer? Um, yeah, well, to Finn to say that, that's incredible. Um, I didn't know he'd said that, so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, it's so, um, it's so exciting to help break down a barrier like that, to be, um, to be one of the first and to hopefully pave the way for generations of swimmers, black, white, you know, whatever, to um, pick up this sport and just go join it because um, I, I, it's open to everybody. It's not just a sport for a certain people, of a certain class or race or anything like that. Um, I really do think it should be open and available to everybody, especially as a life skill. Everybody should know how to swim 25 meters. And um, I really hope me using my voice, this, um, this achievement can inspire people to just like, just get in, go learn to swim. Doesn't have to be to an Olympian standard. It could literally just be 25 meters, which could potentially save your life one day. So um, yeah, I really hope it's, uh, it's taken as something positive for people. And, and you don't mind being an inspiration. You don't mind being that, that, that figurehead. Um, yeah, no, it's like, sometimes I was like, oh, this is heavy. This is difficult. Um, it's quite frightening. Um, but at the same time, I always thought people are looking at me in such a positive way. They're really looking up to me. I should take pride from this. This is something incredible. Not a lot of people get um, get put on a, a chance like this, basically. So um, whilst sometimes a very small percent of the time, I did find it a bit like, oh, wow, like what? what if it all goes wrong? Um, literally seconds later, I'd be like, no, like I don't think it's that deep. Like um, people are just proud that you're doing what you're doing. If you make it or if you don't, they will still support you. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful for all the support I've had. I've had so many kind messages from friends, family and strangers from all around the world, so. Do the names Harry Edward or Anita Neal mean anything to you? Anita, Anita Neal sounds familiar. I'll tell you, Harry Edward was Britain's first black Olympian and the first black British Olympic medal winner. He was a sprinter. And Anita Neal was the first black British female Olympian, competed in 68 and 72, again, a sprinter. You are going onto a list, if you like, with names like that. And I think Team GB are very, very keen to look at that legacy and that history. And now you're part of it. 
Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I definitely have heard of Anita Neal. I feel I should probably look up my um, my history of athlete, of athletes um, who have gone to the games, actually. But um, yeah, to be like uh, joining a list like that, I think is so exciting. And um, I really hope like in the future years to come, we can look back on it and just think I'm happy and proud that these barriers are no longer in place, that sport is accessible to everybody. And um, whilst it's something definitely to be celebrated right now, hopefully we don't have to celebrate it in the future or we can just look back on it on, okay, that was when it was broken, but now it's all good. So um, yeah, it's like kind of like a bittersweet in a sense where it's really cool, really great piece of history. But at the same time, I, I'm really looking forward to the day where it just doesn't matter. <laughs> you speak so well, but you swim pretty well as well. So. What for you is the aim, the ambition then for Tokyo 2020 and 2021 in, in the Bay in Adeba? Um, I, so right now I'm just absolutely focused on training, getting everything right in the pool, um, just training my heart out. And then uh, my main aim, it sounds really corny, is to just have no regrets on a race. Um, it's such a long race, two hours. There's so much potential for things to go wrong. So I just want to make sure I execute my race plan properly. And I I'm pretty confident that if I do, I will get a very good result out of it. Um, but yeah, I just, that is my main aim. It's just get everything right and things will fall into place. And final one from us, Alice, you performed so well in Portugal. It's something that we, a lot of people in this country can't even work out how people can go around the world and compete in these events. How was, how was it with, with protocols and everything? Yeah, it was, it's very different from what I'm used to. I've only done two competitions during the COVID like era, it sounds horrible to say, but I've only done two competitions and they have all been very different. Um, having to take tests like the day before you race, um, making sure that you're not coming into contact with anyone from any other country where you can potentially form a bubble or anything like that. So if they get it, you have to isolate as well. And there's always that risk of a positive test coming back and that's game over. So. Um, the stakes are a lot higher. Um, safety is so much more important. Wearing, I wore two masks on the plane, hand sanitizing constantly, wiping down my seat, um, doing everything to make sure that I get to the game, uh, well, I get to the competition fit and healthy, qualify, and then get to the game fit and healthy. So um, it's a lot more to think about, actually, which, um, yes, it's a bit crazy. <laughs> Well, congratulations once again. We thank you so much for talking to Anything But Footy and we wish you all the best in Tokyo. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very impressive interview that with Alice Deering, I think, John. I think she certainly understands and appreciates the sense of history. And I think also she realises the glass ceiling that she's broken through and she talks about it very, very well. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her because the marathon swim is always a, an exciting event. Anything can happen. It's so difficult. I've tried to commentate on open water swimming in the past in, in triathlon. It's near on impossible to work out what's going on sometimes. But yeah, for Alice Deering, it is, it is a real landmark moment. And what I'm pleased about is the way the British Olympic Association are quite rightly promoting this story and in Alice they've got a tremendous spokesperson for it as well. She does speak incredibly well and you just hope it's the start of something. It was the start of something with Harry Edward and Anita Neal but it's taken us a long time to recognise and what we need to make sure is that this a it doesn't take as long that we have more black swimmers coming through and as you say that glass ceiling is broken 
and then it doesn't become an issue because we see it all the time. And that is what everybody's working towards. And that's what all the sports are working towards. I know that because we've spoken to a lot of them over the last few weeks and months. But it's really important that we capitalise on this. And she knows that she's under pressure and she's not daunted by it at all. And that was great to, to see. She, she knows the importance of it. She knows she's going to go and do her best. And that's all you can ask. But you just hope it's just the start. And that's what we hope. And for. just a quick final point on that. We are changing the culture in British sport at the moment to reflect many things. And as we record this, there's been two key important announcements about culture change. One is that Dame Catherine Granger is continuing as the chair of UK Sport, another four-year period of time for her. She came into that organisation, had done some fantastic work on creating those medal moments, which is what it was set up to do. But they now needed to add another layer onto that, and that is to create those medal moments, but in the right culture. And Catherine Granger, I'm 100% certain, is the right person to do that. And the other big appointment this week, which feeds into what UK Sport are doing, is the appointment of Chris Boardman at, at Sport England. And again, I think a tremendous appointment, someone that you and I have spoken to, someone that really understands the importance of how sport can be a game changer in terms of tackling the national health problem that we have, tackling the public health issues we have in this country, getting more people out cycling. Obviously, we know he was a 92 medalist, gold medalist in cycling. But so many of those issues that sport and general health, fitness and well-being could improve. And I think with those two appointments, Chris Boardman, Catherine Granger will build on that bigger opportunity that Alice Deering is seeing certainly in terms of diversity but bigger opportunity that sport has just in society as well and I think I echo exactly what you've said on all of that with Boardman in particular what I like about it is that as you say he's a massive campaigner for cycling he's actually the transport commissioner for Manchester which isn't as we know the second biggest city in the UK it's the third behind Birmingham and London but it's a massive area of population and what he's really keen about is getting people to as you say get fit healthy get on a bike walk he's the transport commissioner and there's that joined up thinking and I think this is what we'd like to see and we talked about it with a few people during lockdown about how how sport can go side by side with health and that it shouldn't be too seen as two separate things and, and transport as part of that. Because if you cycle, you get healthy. If you walk, you get healthy. That's beneficial to the NHS. That's also doing sport. And I think if those three things can all come together and if Chris Boardman, I agree with you, is, is the right man to, 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 to start that, then we're going in the right direction. That's what I, that's why I really hope like I said with Alice Deering, that, it, that it, it, this isn't the end of it. This is just the start of all the things that we're talking about to make us a better society and a healthier society as well. You're listening to Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Para swimming news now, and Ellie Simmons will be heading to her fourth Paralympic Games after being named amongst 23 British swimmers confirmed for Tokyo later this summer. She is still only 26, made her debut in Beijing at the age of 13. She's one of 11 returning Paralympians, including five gold medalists from Rio 2016. Bethany Firth, Steph Millard, Hannah Russell and Ellie Robinson, who we caught up with when the team was announced. Hi, I'm Ellie Robinson. 
Paralympic gold medalist from the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games. And I'm looking forward to be heading to the Games. So Ellie, you've had an extra year of being the reigning Olympic champion. You've had five years. Most people only get four. How's it been being the, the Paralympic champion from Rio? It's been interesting, actually. Um, I don't want to say that I thought about it that much. I think as athletes, we're very much, we don't like to dwell on the past. I think we probably should. I think one thing that I've definitely learned over the past few years is to celebrate our past achievements more. But I think in the past few years, I haven't actually thought about it that much because I've been focusing on the next goal, the next target and what I need to do to improve and how I'm going to make those gains. So actually to sit down and to talk to you now and to think about it in that sense, it's really quite nice because it's not something that we get the opportunity to do very often. So actually, thank you. <laughs> Is it a life-changing experience? Do things open up for you when you get back with a gold medal from the Paralympics? It's quite funny, actually, when you say life-changing, because the way that I would describe kind of the Paralympic Games as being life-changing is the experience that it's provided me with and not just the experience of being at the Games and competing but the five years that followed. Um, I've learned a huge amount about myself. Um, I've overcome a fair few challenges. Um, some of them I can even admit I even put in my own way um, and I think that the life-changing kind of aura of being <laughs> of the games and kind of the years surrounding it um it's really about the experience that you gain the challenges you face and the way that that builds you as a person and I'm incredibly grateful for the perspective that I have gained and the knowledge that I've acquired in those years because I've I do like to say that the person that I was five years ago is entirely different to the person sat talking now and has there been fun stuff that's happened to you what's been the best thing was it maybe taking a medal into a school was it appearing on a chat show what's what's been one of the highlights I always like the last leg the last leg of fun they are a very nice show to go on um I think the little things as well so kind of going into events and talking I really really like um, talking about my experience particularly at the minute the past few years um, obviously I'm in a very kind of I'm in a very philosophical mood today <laughs> but um, I've found myself kind of with a huge amount of experience and perspective and being able to change that and kind of share that with people as well and um, being able to particularly young children as well because I think with social media at the minute and I think we're kind of creating I know that when I grew up I grew up with this kind of perfectionist attitude and I think actually going into schools and also just speaking to people and sharing kind of my experience and perspective I quite like to kind of I don't know share this newfound knowledge that I have that you know you don't have to be perfect and also challenge is quite a good thing and that's kind of the mentality that I'm quite eager to push. Because I guess it's important that you can't allow yourself to be defined by a couple of minutes in Rio in 2016. Like you say, you've got things that you've had to overcome in the past five years and you've got things that you are now looking forward to. I actually really like that, the idea that you can't be defined by the, what was it, 35 
0.58 seconds. Yes, I remembered it. I almost didn't. <laughs> yeah, but that those 35 seconds, I it's there is so much more to an athlete than the event that they do. Um, it's something that again I'm quite eager to push that people are made up of so many different elements and it's not only everything that I've learned from sport but not even sport as well because as a human being there are so many different parts of me um I like to I don't like to box myself in or label myself as anything because I'm hugely interested in history and politics I'm into kind of my vintage fashion I like languages um I like my f1 there is there are so many different sides and I actually think that it'd be really good to get to know athletes for kind of who they are outside of sport as well obviously the most important the most important part is definitely watching them perform their sport because that's you know the reason that they train so hard but I think it's really interesting when we do get to see the other side of athletes because there is so much more than well people are made up of more than one thing and very often it's hundreds and hundreds of things so just finally, because I know you're doing lots of interviews today and, and time is tight, but when you go and get the kit next week, have you put an order in for a big coat with a big hood again, or are we going to come up with something new for Tokyo? Um, it's interesting, actually. I think we are coming up with some new ideas for heat retention. <laughs> so it may not be the same big coat that I had in Rio, but it will be, I'm sure there'll be something because everything I do is kind of spur of the moment in those environments, in a competitive environment, everything, like nothing I do is planned. So I will see. <laughs> Hopefully I won't embarrass myself as much as I did the last time. Well, we'll leave it on that cliffhanger and we look <laughs> forward to seeing what you wear on the blocks in Tokyo. And it's wonderful to catch up with you again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Me speaking with Ellie Robinson, who's part of the para swimming team. Unfortunately, Alice Tai, who won seven gold medals at the 2019 World Para Swimming Championships in London, has had to withdraw from this summer's Paralympic Games with an elbow injury. There are 12 debutants, including Grace Harvey, who broke the British record in April, Reese Dunn, Tully Kearney, an amazing comeback for her, having thought she'd never swim again, having missed out on the team in 2016, and also Maisie Summers-Newton, who won seven individual titles uh, between them at the 2019 World Para Championships in London, along with medalists like Louise Fittis, Jordan Catchpole and Tony Shaw. And still to come, we hear from Christian Malcolm, the Olympic head coach at British Athletics. Yeah, looking forward to that. He really, really speaks about the team and who's in it and how tough it was to pick that team, and also how easy it was as well. But seven players have been picked for Team GB to challenge in badminton, including Rio bronze medalist Marcus Ellis. He booked an automatic spot in the mixed doubles with Lauren Smith, finishing ranked eighth in the world. Smith will also compete in the women's doubles with Chloe Birch, who's making her Olympic debut. Kirsty Gilmore is now a two-time Olympian in the women's singles in badminton, and newbie Toby Penty goes in the men's. Ben Lane and Sean Vendy go in the men's doubles, uh, and I would say, Michael, an impressive number and some new names too for a sport that, of course, we know lost its funding after Rio, despite Marcus's and Chris Langridge's first ever men's doubles Olympic medal for Great Britain. And also worth, sa worth saying, talking of firsts and what a great achievement it is, Paralympics GB, of course, have picked their team, Jack Shepard and Dan Bethel, who will make history when they become the first players to represent badminton 
at a Paralympic Games in Tokyo. It's making its debut. Seems a, a, a weird thing to say that badminton wasn't in the Paralympics, but it hasn't been. It will be in Tokyo. Yep. Uh, one of a number of new sports. Para Taekwondo is another one, of course. Back to the Olympics and Rio 2016 Olympians Kate French, Joseph Chung and James Cook will once again all return to compete for Team GB this summer in Tokyo in the sport of modern pentathlon. The shooting, swimming, riding, fencing and running event also sees Joanna Muir make a day she is ranked number one in the world. Now, 65 names have been added to the roster for Team GB from the sport of athletics. Some say the biggest and best sport of the Olympics. I couldn't possibly comment. I did write the script, though. Household names and world champions Dina Asher-Smith and Katerina Johnson-Thompson, subject to proving her fitness, lead the list, along with some debutants and young stars to watch out for. It follows a generally successful weekend in the sunshine in Manchester at the British Championships, apart from Mo Farah, who missed out out on qualifying in the 10k again something of course he's won in the last two games in london and rio but what about the athletes who have been named let's catch up with olympic head coach at british athletics christian malcolm and this must be for you a proud day an important day because for the first time ever you're going to be leading a british team to an olympic games Yes, it's very proud. Um, I'm very proud of this this opportunity. But, you know, this is not about me. This is about the athletes and, and about them being selected to represent their country at the Olympic Games. So um, um, we, we've done that. We've, we've selected a team, um, a very young team, um, I feel. Um, but it is very much a team that I feel can put, go out there and perform well and, and maybe give them some of that experience as well for, for 2024 going forward. So 65 have been added to the squad today. We've had, I think, seven previously named as well. What kind of shape are the British athletes in heading to this delayed Olympic Games? Yeah, a lot of them seem to be in fairly good shape, especially judging by the trials and what we've seen over the, over the weekend. Um, we had some very good, exciting races, especially around the middle distance. The 800 and, and the 1500 was, was very exciting. Um, the sprints are always always interesting. Um, I find the women's 400s was very good this weekend, as well as the 5Ks. Um, and, and we've got a few field events that seem to be performing quite well, with Lawrence Sequoia coming back into the fold, um, which which uh, he seems to be getting there right now. You mentioned the performances at the weekend. In some ways, it makes it a lot easier picking the team. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's the opportunity for the athletes. I know for me, certainly as, a, as, a, as an athlete, it, you know, what you want to do is take it out of the selector's hands, right? You want to be able to, to be the first two past the post and have a qualifying time. So, you know, that's your opportunity to go out there and actually do that. What was the, who was the easiest pick when you look at that? When you, when you look at your names, you go, <laughs> oh, that was the easiest one. Well, th- th- there's a few easy ones because there's quite a few of them who had the, the automatic uh, qualifying already and, and just had to come first too. So there was a fair few there. We know about some of our, our, our world champion women. Um, we know about Dina Asher-Smith going for, for three. How is Katerina Johnston-Thompson? How long do you give her before you have to make a decision? We'll give her um, another week or 10 days. She, she's in you know, pretty good shape at the moment. She does have a, a competition coming up in, in the next week, uh, which she'll participate in. So you know, we'll get a bit more information then where she's at. But training-wise, she seems to be going really well. And the other standout name for a lot of people is is Keely Hodgkinson, who's a teenager and seems to have come in the last year or so. And that strength and depth that we talk about in middle distance running at the minute must be really pleasing for you. 
oh yeah, you know, Keely's a, a fantastic talent, and I, and I think she showed a lot of maturity on the weekend by the way she handled the race. You know, Gemma Riki and Laura Muir are, are world class athletes in, in their own, and um, the way she ran that race on the weekend, particularly the last lap, was was very impressive. Um, but also we we look at the likes of, of Holly, Holly Bradshaw, you know, jumping four ninety. Um, was was absolutely amazing and just showed that, that she's taking a claim for for maybe a medal at the Olympic Games as well. One of the new events, Christian, for the Olympics anyway, is is the mixed relay. We've got a pretty good, strong, certainly women's four by four at the moment. Yeah, we have, we have, we, we've got some some youngsters coming through like Amma Pippi, Nicole Jurgen, um, just to name a few. Uh, you know, we looked at the mixed relay and we thought there's just a real opportunity there. Um, the, the female athletes are performing quite well. We've got a few young guys coming through in the 400s. Obviously, we've got Matt Hudson-Smith there as well. Um, but we do feel it's a real big opportunity for us. Uh, I joked about how easy the decisions were because of Manchester. Uh, Zarnell Hughes was obviously a big decision. The fact that he, he was disqualified before actually racing. But he is in the 100 metres. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, if he was there, you've seen his semi-finals, 10 6 was, was very impressive. He has been running very well all season, to be fair to him. Um, and, and it's unfortunate for him that he did get disqualified in that final. I think he, he was looking to go sub-10 in that final. And I actually think he would have he would have pushed CJ Uja to maybe go under sub-10. So, um, yeah, he, he's been in good shape. And talking of British male sprinters, is this the time Adam Jamili delivers that individual medal on the world Olympic stage, Christian? Oh, we all hope so. He, he's been so close on so many occasions. Um, you know, obviously with, with Rio, um, with Doha, um, he's just been right there uh, and I'm missing out by, you know, less than a hundredth of a second, really missing out on the medal. is is. It's obviously hard. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a pill to swallow for him. But um, the thing with Adam, what I like about him, he just seems to always turn up at the big occasions. No matter what's going on early season, he slowly starts to get better and better and better. Uh, and he seems to be rounding the shape again this year and doing that. So, you know, hopefully for him, fingers crossed, this is his opportunity now. Can I ask you about the story that's in the Times or the Times are reporting today regarding Andrew Butcher? I mean, he appears to have done an interview with a podcast in which he says that he's done something with a, a COVID test. As a coach, do you have to remind him now about his responsibilities? He's going to Tokyo in a very difficult situation to represent his country. What do you say to him now as a coach? Well, at, at the moment, there's not much I can really do to comment on at the moment because that that is, uh, you know, going for investigation at, at this moment, going for a process. But, you know, us, us as a um, team Juby and British Athletics, we, you know, we're very fortunate to have some of these exemptions to be able to travel the sport. So we, we take this matter very seriously. No Mo Farah, of course, um, with what happened at the weekend. Have, have we seen the last of him in a British vest, do you think, Christian? I, I, I hope not. You know, I hope not. I've seen, I, you know, I've known Mo since he was a, a young athlete and seen him come through. Um, it's one of those things, you know, you, you don't want the greats to ever finish. You want it to keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, and, you know, hopefully I'll get one more chance for us to be able to see him in, in, in a British vest. But, you know, that's that's his decision. I can't obviously let you go without talking about Dina Asher-Smith. I mean, she is an absolute worldie uh, going, hopefully, maybe for, for three Olympic medals this time. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. And, and one thing I like about Dina is her temperament. Um 
she's always focused. She's she's she knows what she wants. Um, she's very professional the way she goes about things. Um, and I think what she's done is as well of lately is just it's just built up that that aura about that when she comes onto the track that you know you, you will be you're in fear of her you don't know what to expect but she always seems to produce and just finally then Christian I mean there seems to be the potential that you might add a few more names to this squad is that an option what's the process there yeah so we have to wait for the the roll down system there are a few athletes which are which are named but we have to wait until um, World Athletics have, have come back with the rankings and who is, is going to be involved in that. So hopefully we, we could possibly add another between eight and five athletes to, to the team. Well, all the very best to you and your cohort. We wish you all the best in Tokyo. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thank you. I think, Michael, looking at that British squad, you would think 65 names. There may be a few more added on, as you rightly said, uh, to Christian. kind of think that's the right level and there's some... Bigger names that we've talked about there. Um, but there's also some young names, as you mentioned, Keely Hodgkinson being one of them, a, a real superstar potential in the uh, in the women's middle distance. Yeah, 65. Um, I always think we seem to send a lot of athletes to the games for the medals that are returned. But I think athletics, as we know, is probably the hardest sport um, to win a medal in, in that you've got 200 nations and territories going to the Olympics and pretty much every one of them is, is sending someone in the sport of track and field. Also, you just need to look at the way that those numbers are increased by relays and relays will be interesting as we've heard there from Christian in these games because we're going to have some mixed relays. So, you know, initially my first glance was nine four by 400 metre relay runners in the women's squad. That seems a lot compared to five in the men's. But as you pointed out to me, uh, there's no men going in the individual 400 metres. So they will be split across the four by four men's relay and the mix relay. We do have 400 metre runners, including Jody Williams, of course, who are going in the individual and will have mixed relays and will have the women's relays, which is why I think we've got that big squad. So it's a trimming down of the number. I think it was 80 or something that, that went to, to Rio. Um, it will be interesting what the medal return is. Relays. And we didn't actually press Christian on, on a medal target because I don't think we, no, we we, we're, we're not doing them this time. I bet they are privately, though. <laughs> Um, but but the official line is we're not looking at medal targets this time. UK Sport are not outlining what they want. And I think going back to what we said about Catherine Granger, that's probably something that, that she would be in favour of. They're not outlining saying, right, if you don't hit this medal target, your funding is is cut because we're not doing that this time because it's been a very different build-up to the Games, as we know. So the medal target for British athletics normally at these type of events is, what, seven to nine? Is that normally about, about what that, they... Yeah. You know, you think with mixed relays and then the, the men's relays and the women's relays, that you could get close to that <laughs> with, with just relays, uh, couldn't yeah. you? And I think Christian said they've looked at the mixed relays and thought there's an opportunity there to, to get a, 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 another medal. And I think that's the point. I think it is a shame about the 400 metres. I know that athletics is cyclical. And when we were growing up, um, everyone talks about Co and Yvette um, and, and the 800 metres and Cram and the 1500 metres. But then we had this... 400 meter resurgence with Roger Black and Akabusi and Jamie Bolsh and Ewan Thomas and now you're looking at in the men's 400 meters because the women's are flying with with Jodie Williams and the like but you you look at it and you go just where where is it and 
And yeah, you were looking at those numbers and that was the only reason I could come up with that we don't have individual men who are at that level. Now, the, the level has moved on and we know that in 20 years time, there will be 400 metre runners again for Great Britain because there is the heritage there. But it, it is slightly disappointing from my point of view because I think you would always, as you say, bank on a four by four hundred metre men's relay medal as well as hopefully an individual performance and getting to the final. But we will see what happens. I think it's worth keeping an eye on what's going on around the world as well, because they are setting world records, certainly in America. They've been having their trials, which has been absolutely huge. And one of them caught my eye. Um, remember uh, Delilah Mohammed? She broke the world 400-meter hurdles record, um, of course, at the World in Doha in 2019. Well, um, she's now had that taken away from her by her compatriot, McLaughlin, who smashed a sensational time of 51.90 on the final day of the US Olympic trials in Eugene so you can tell that the Brits have come out and we've said this across swimming and athletics and performed really well but there are other nations that are just going to come out and, and and have really delivered and the Americans certainly have at their champions staying with athletics talk me through this then Russia <laughs> they've just had another 61 athletes approved to compete in international competition under a neutral banner in 2021 that means a total of 123 Russians, although whether we can call them Russians, I'm not sure, are cleared for Tokyo 2020. The current the country is currently banned. Well, I say banned. You can't say they're from Russia. They can't wear team kit. They can't have their flag. They can't have their anthem or any of that. But we're letting them in by the hundreds. And we've just gone through the groups for the rugby sevens, for example. And, and Russia are in there. <laughs> How could they be in there if they're banned? Tell me. Yeah, so the... So the Rugby Sevens have had their pools announced and Great Britain men are up against the Olympic champions Fiji in their pool, which is, is not ideal, I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, they got a silver medal, of course, lost to Fiji in the final. Michael was there. Uh, so it's Fiji, Great Britain, Canada and Japan in Pool B for the men. But as you say, for the women, Great Britain, who finished fourth in Rio five years ago against world champions New Zealand, which is tough. But then Kenya and the Russian OC, which we can only uh, seem to think is the Russian Olympic Committee, but it's not Russia. It doesn't have the flag of Russia, but it's Russian. So I through the games, are we going to say a bit like Prince, formerly known as, symbol, formerly known as Russia? I don't know what the official term is. I think there is an official term that they are athletes of a neutral country that, with a link to Russia, I think you can say. But you're right. There's no name. They, they can't use the word Russia. They can't use the flag. No officials are allowed to go, um, whether they would have been going anyway. President Putin is, is not allowed to go and, and that. But it's, it is confusing. When you say a country is banned, they're either banned or they're not. And that's what I think if you're a neutral like me and you and, and, and people who don't, not for people like you and me who are in, invested in it and know what's happened and know the background. If you're just a, a, someone who watches the Olympics once every four years, you're not going to understand why they're not in it when they are in it. Yeah. You say you're either banned or you're not. I think the Olympics is proving that actually you can be banned and not all joined up together. Uh, let's talk tennis. Andy Murray is off to his fourth Olympics, which will please John immensely. I know yes. that um, he will have been glued to his telly watching Andy Murray's first couple of games at Wimbledon late into the evening. Sorry, Matthew, you're just going to put yourself to bed tonight. Dad's, Dad's watching the tennis. 
Uh, he's been picked by Team GB despite his comparative lack of match practice this year, currently competing at Wimbledon for the first time in four years. The double Olympic champion uh, from London and Rio, of course, in the singles will go again, but also in the doubles with Joe Salisbury. So not Jamie Murray, his brother this time. Salisbury is making his Olympic debut. He recently won the French mixed doubles title. Cameron Norrie has said no. He's decided to focus on the US Open along with some other more high profile names like Rafa Nadal and Serena Williams. Dan Evans and Neil Skupsi make up the rest of the men's tennis team. Heather Watson and Joe Conta will be in the women's singles and doubles as they did in Rio. Uh, the mixed doubles will be decided once they're out there. And staying with tennis, para tennis now, another Scottish Grand Slam winner, defending champion Gordon Reid leads the wheelchair tennis selection for Paralympics GB. He'll be joined by doubles partner Alfie Hewitt, who he beat in the final of the singles in Rio rather memorably five years ago for a GB gold silver. The French Open champions are two of six players. Rio quad silver medalist Andy Lapthorne is back as well, along with debutant Dermot Bailey. Lucy Shuka and Jordana Wiley make up the team. Deborah Kerr and Emily Lewis will join Olympic champion Liam Heath in the canoe sprint for Team GB. They will race in the K1 women's 500 metres and 200 metres respectively, both making their Olympic debuts in Tokyo. In weightlifting, three British women have been named by Team GB. Zoe Smith returns for a second Games. The Commonwealth champion in 2014. I memorably remember her doing some flips after she won that. Silver medalist in 2018 made her Olympic debut at London 2012, aged 18. Three-time European Championship gold medalist in Moscow this year, Emily Campbell. And Sarah Davis, who won three silvers, also set to make their debuts in Tokyo. And you can't mention Sarah Davis without also mentioning that she was a beauty queen. Everyone always says that about her. It's like Sophie Hitchin being a former ballet dancer. If she had a pound every time, she'd be a rich young lady. <laughs> you heard it here first, or maybe you didn't. Uh, three reigning Paralympic champions and five debutants have been selected to compete for Paralympics GB in rowing. Current world champions Lauren Rolls and Lawrence Whiteley will be out to defend their Paralympic title again in the mixed double skulls. James Fox was part of the gold medal winning crew that won the mixed coxed four at Rio. This time he'll be joined by debutants Ellen Buttrick, Giga Rakowski, Ollie Stanhope and Erin Kennedy, the Cox. They won the title, the world title in 2019 and 2021 European Championships in Italy as well. In para-fencing, Piers Gulliver, who won a silver medal at Rio in 2016, is back for Paralympics GB in a four-strong fencing team. Also in there, Dimitra Kucha and Gemma Collins-McCann, also in Rio five years ago. Oliver Lamb-Watson, who's also a bit of a YouTube star, will be attending his first Games. Not a beauty contestant. He's a YouTube star. All these things you've got to remember. Now, you can get in touch anytime at Anything But F on Twitter or message us on Insta and Facebook. Our website is anythingbutfooty.com or anythingbutfooty at gmail.com and we will come back to you if you'd like to have your say. The definition of history is a continuous, systematic narrative of past events as relating to a particular person or country. Team GB has quite the story already. Stand by for Tokyo this month for more to be written. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.